Welcome to episode 53 of the Rapid Change Matters podcast, a conversation with high-performance specialist and behavioural communications consultant, Dan Candell. My name's Howard Cooper, and for over 14 years now, I've been fascinated with helping people to create personal change quickly. But I still come across many who believe that lasting personal change has to take a long time, consisting of reliving traumas or deep psychological analysis, or simply that flawed notion that understanding why you have a problem will somehow make it go away. I'm on a mission to get people who work therapeutically with others to shift their thinking and realize that these beliefs are not written in stone. Rapid change can happen. So, to help you open up to what's possible, I'm chatting with top therapists and agents of change who are out there getting real results with real people really quickly. Before we get to the interview, I've got big news. Rapid Changeworks is now running live training events, and you can check out the latest events coming up by visiting rapidchange.works where you can also download a free, quick-to-read PDF on five strategies to amplify your client's response, along with all the information about this episode and episodes still to come. Now, over to the interview. I'm joined by world-renowned high-performance expert Dan Candell, who, as well as being an international speaker and board-certified hypnotist, he also helps coaches, consultants, and entrepreneurs overcome personal baggage, take massive action, and improve their businesses. Combining all this, along with helping clients through severe anxiety and self-doubt, doesn't leave much extra time, so we're very fortunate to have him with us today. Welcome, Dan, to this Rapid Change Conversation. Howard, it is great to be here with you and your listeners. I'm so excited to get started. Let's do this. Absolutely. We are excited to have you and hoping we can jump straight in and tell us a little bit more about your background, uh, what you do, how you got started. Sure. You know, that's always an interesting story. I actually started when I was very young. I was 13 years old and I actually had a learning challenge where I couldn't really comprehend things just uh, in school. I was getting really bad grades. I was an anxious kid, just had a lot going on in my personal life um, where I had drug and alcohol addiction in my family that I was trying to deal with, parents going through a divorce, grandmother had just passed away. So like all this crap was happening. So I actually went on a camping trip and while on that camping trip, I saw a stage hypnotist and I was just fascinated. I'm like, holy moly. So I, I remembered what he did and I went home and I practiced it on my friends and it worked. Like, holy crap, I can't believe this worked. So then my parents found out I was interested in hypnosis and then they bought me a book about it. And I read through the book and it was all about hypnotherapy, though it wasn't about stage hypnosis. And there was a part of the book that was how to hypnotize yourself to get better grades. And it was phenomenal because it's basically self-hypnotic techniques. So if you can imagine this 13-year-old kid recording into what were cassette tapes then you are relaxing. And when you take a test, you're going to remember everything. So I would record my own self-hypnosis audios. I would play them at night as I fell asleep. Howard, within three weeks, my grades went zoom, like they went up through the roof. And my teachers thought I was cheating. So they had to have a conversation with my parents. My parents were like, no, he's hypnotizing himself. And from there, I started learning more about hypnotherapy. And I also started helping other students who also have uh, learning issues and learning challenges. And then I started getting into stage hypnosis. 
And I started hypnotizing people on stage and doing shows for fundraisers for high schools, grad nights, post-proms, everything like that. I uh, got trained professionally to do it when I was very young. I was 14 when I got formally trained. And it just literally it took off from there where I've been performing in front of celebrities and uh, going to places for speaking, like the going to the murder capital of the world, to San Salvador, and almost getting my head hacked off. So there's it's definitely taken me a lot of places I wasn't expecting to go. <laughs> so that's how we started, 13-year-old kid. Wow. And I, I know when we spoke before, uh, you mentioned that you also have a background in magic. Yes. So I had this tendency to want to, uh, or a belief, I guess you would say, that if if I could make things disappear, people would want to be my friend. So I was that annoying kid that would be like, let me show you a trick. And at first, everyone's like, oh, cool. And then everyone's like, okay, Dan, leave me alone. Like, get away. And then I realized that with magic, you could do hypnosis and it looks like that you're controlling somebody. Now, of course, we know that's not what now we know that's not what's really happening. That, sorry, that's was, not what's happening? Oh, you see, we weren't supposed to say that, were we? <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm trying to remember the, the, the hypnotic suggestions you gave me uh, before we went on. Um, <laughs> Okay, so hang on, let's just go back a second, because I'm curious about this idea that you were listening to these tapes that you were making when you were 13. What do you think was it, it was that worked about these things? Was it that uh, it, it was good, solid, kind of basic hypnosis, direct suggestion, or was it that you just really believed that it could work? I think it was, uh, so first and foremost, I didn't really believe that much that it could work. I wanted to use myself as a guinea pig. So I think having it and having it formatted in front of me, and that's where having a script at that moment worked for me. And, and now I, and I know a lot of us teach hypnotists how to get out of scripts, but that script worked for me. And I also changed it so it worked a little bit better for me. So I would take out some of the issues that were in the script and I would put in and substitute some of my own issues. And a big part of what really worked was reducing my stress as a student and my worry and my insecurities as a student. And when I was able to do that, I was able to improve my focus, my concentration, my memory retention and memory abilities, memory recall abilities, because as we know, stress and tension will prohibit you from uh, recalling important details or important things or even retaining information. So it's like you reduce the stress level of what's going on in other areas of your life. You take out the negative consequences and side effects. So I think that's also part of it and also the consistency. I, I did this religiously, Howard. Like I did this every single night for months. And my grades just kept getting better and better and better, improving more and more and more. And uh, I went from being in like borderline special classes to being in honors classes. And people were saying, "How? How? How?" I, I'll never forget this girl. Her name was uh, her name was Caitlin, and I was in like seventh grade. She goes, "How did you get so smart? Like you were so dumb. How did you get so smart?" And I will always remember that. <laughs> Did, did you t did you tell her the secret? <laughs> I told her. I said, 
I'm controlling my mind and I can control yours too. Watch. And that kind of freaked her out. I realized that wasn't a really good way to pick up a person. <laughs> Tell them you oh, can control their mind. Hold on a second. That's where I've been going wrong all these years. <laughs> That's why I'm... you're married, Howard Keeper. <laughs> don't let her go. <laughs> Listen, I, I got married. For, for the listeners, we'll know that I, I don't often share this kind of stuff. But I, I So I met my wife uh, and uh, proposed after five months. And we were married five months after that. And I just figured if I finally meet someone that's willing to say yes to me, lock her into a contract as quick as possible. <laughs> it was basically my strategy. Um, so, yeah. Um, Dan, you mentioned on the uh, the rapid fire round. And, and by the way, for those people who are listening going, the rapid fire round? What's the rapid fire round? Scroll down, scroll down underneath this episode. Uh, you'll see uh, the rapid fire round. And it's eight questions in two minutes uh, to pull out a little bit of a, a flavor of who's coming up. Um, and uh, one of the questions was, can you think of a concept or an idea that you used to believe was true, but you subsequently changed your mind about? And you said, Howard, it's that deep trance is necessary for change. So like, tell me more about that. First off, you said flavor, which makes me remember I'm, I'm slightly hungry. And also, I, I hope I'm people's acquired taste. <laughs> so, I didn't uh, say a nice flavor. Uh, that's true. That's true. I'm a little salty at times. I'm not for everyone, right? That's, that's why I start off by telling my – so my business card, it says let that shit go. So that allows people to, to self-select and um, – and I tell people, I say, you know, I'm not for everyone. I, I am, I'm an acquired taste <laughs> at times. But the the people who do work with me and the people I do work with, uh, we we really greatly have this wonderful understanding. So yeah, back to your question that you asked, which was this this belief or this idea that you have to have like a deep trance to make a change in a person. And this is from basic training. I had this this belief, and also from being a stage hypnotist. So. I even though I I was doing self improvement, my really ent uh, entryway into hypnosis was stage hypnosis. And on stage, I put people very quickly into a rapid trance, and I use instant inductions with everybody on like within the first three minutes, everybody's hypnotized in my show, and I carried that. I I thought I was carrying that belief over to my office, and. Then when I took a hypnotherapy training, it was different than the stage training. And it was like, no, you must use progressive relaxation. You must use an element induction. You must use this. You must use that. And a person has to go through these levels and they have to go through the Aaron's depth scale. So that was like a big misconception that I had. Now I do what I call instant transformation where I'm, I'm teaching people really how to hack into their own mind where they don't have to sit in, in a dark room for 20 minutes and listen to a hypnotist drone on and on about, now relax your big toe. That's right, right? So it completely changed where I see people now making changes and transformations really, really quickly, and they're not going into a deep hypnotic state. And it's because I'm combining other disciplines with the basic principles of hypnosis and how to enter into the subconscious mind. So that way people are, are learning how to gain control over their own mind instead of me just giving them a direct suggestion and hoping it sticks with them. Can you give me an example of what you mean by that? This idea of using the principles hypnosis, but combining it in a different way so that it kind of sticks. 
Absolutely. So what I'm doing is I'm teaching a person these these techniques. Like let's take something very basic like um, like a swish pattern and something that we can do literally in a course of 60 seconds. And I will actually teach a person how to do that in a waking state. And then I'll say, okay, well, let's make this a little bit deeper and uh, let's let's go into just a slightly deeper state here. And I don't even call it hypnosis. I said, let's just get in touch with your subconscious mind. I just want you to close your eyes and just like take a deep breath for a second and, and let me know when you're ready to begin. And they actually let me know. They're like, okay, I'm ready to start. Good. And then we do the swish pattern and I teach them how to replicate that or doing something like bilateral stimulation, which is um, something that Melissa Tears talks about where you're passing something back and forth. But I've done further investigation into this where you can also do bilateral stimulation by crossing your arms on your legs and tapping on each leg simultaneously or tapping on your shoulders simultaneously. So I'm teaching people how to hack into their own minds and I'm teaching them these like mind hacking exercises and I'm putting them through a change while they're in front of me. So here, here's the traditional approach that many of us have learned. The traditional approach is you go and you do a pre-talk, some type of pre-testing as a hypnotist. You're going into um, uh, to change something about yourself or behavior or habit, something like that. The hypnotist puts you through a process. You're going to go into a, a meditative, relaxing state. Uh, while you're in that state, the hypnotist is going to give you suggestions or do some type of change work that you and the hypnotist both hope will take effect after the session, which I think is bullshit. I, I, I really do. Th it, it works with a lot of people. That's great. But I think it's bullshit that you don't know if this is changing. But just because someone achieves arm catalepsy doesn't mean that they're going to stop smoking after the session. Or it doesn't mean that they're going to stop having anxiety or stop having this fear after the session just because they have arm, catale arm catalepsy or just because they can't open their, uh, open their eyes. They have eye catalepsy. So my principles is I want to put you through a change right in front of me. So number one, I'm confident that you're going to overcome this stuff. And so that you're confident that when you leave, you know you've already made a shift. So you're going to continue to make those shifts. And guess what? If you choose not to when you leave my office, that's on you, not me. But I now know that you're armed to overcome whatever you came my office with because you've already changed. You've already demonstrated that that you've changed your thoughts. It, and, and I work with people on, on three levels, thoughts which influence your feelings and, uh, and your emotions and your sensations, which influence your responses, your behaviors, and um, uh, and your reactions to things. So like thoughts, feelings, actions. And that's how I'm working with people. So we, we work with interrupting their thoughts. So I, I know I'm, I'm really blowing up this question much more, Howard, but hopefully you can get a sense of, of how I'm working with people and why I no longer believe you need a deep trance because I don't want to cross my fingers and hope that when you when you come in here, you're changing just because I'm telling you you're changing. I want you to know you're changing because you've actually acknowledged, admitted, and seen the change right in front of me. Yeah. So that, that's that's my I, new. I I really I I totally agree with that, and um, I think it's a really interesting uh, thing that that sometimes has come up on the podcast as well. But previously, this idea of not being fragile around testing. I think there were a lot of therapists and change workers that kind of get to the end of a session and then they're kind of like, 
So just, you know, let, let me know how you get on. Right. And they're, right. they're like, you know, you can hear it even in their voice that their fingers are crossed, you know, and they're just hoping and praying. Um, yeah. There are, I mean, there are some challenges with things like, you know, so someone comes and they've got a fear of flying. I don't know about you, Dan, but I, I normally keep my private jet away from the therapy room. So I, we can't <laughs> immediately test it uh, there and then. Um, but for me, you know, I like the idea that if you can get someone to buy into the idea or show them that it wasn't even the, they weren't really afraid of the flying anyway. Right. It was their thoughts around it. And then they can right. test the thoughts at the end. But like, you've, you've got to test. They've got to know sitting there that there's a difference. Right. And I, I've been known to put my clients through experience. I was going to say put them through hell and back, but that makes my session sound torturous. They're really not. Uh, it, I've been known to put my clients through experiences so perfect example of this, um, uh, Howard, do you mind if I tell like a client example? I would, I would encourage you to. So Howard, I actually had a guy come in. He had a fear of coffee shops because something, and now I love coffee shops first and foremost, but this guy had something traumatic happen to him on the way to a coffee shop. And then something else traumatic happened to him in a coffee shop. So I was working with him. This was just one of the many things that this person came in with. So I actually taught them how to control the fear through utilizing a couple of, of pattern interrupts. And he came in for the second session. So how'd you do? He said, I, I did pretty well. I said, have you challenged yourself and gone to a coffee shop? He said, no, I just know I could if I really needed to. There's a coffee shop next to my office. I go to all the time. So I said, okay, get up. We're going to go on a field trip. He goes, what do you mean? I said, we're going to go on a field trip. Now, I actually know people who work in that coffee shop. So I wanted to trigger him. So I texted them while we're on our way to the coffee shop. said, I'm going to bring someone in. What do you do? I need you to harass the hell out of him. Like, don't like, give him a hard time. So we're getting to the coffee shop. And as we're walking to the coffee shop, a lot of people know me as like everywhere I go, I'm the hypnotist. So as we're walking to the coffee shop, a car is driving by and starts honking their horn. Now, of course, he thinks they're honking their horn because he thinks they're doing it to him. <laughs> and... I'm like, no, 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 they just know who I am. He's like, well, that really, that's, that's making me nervous. I said, okay, just do the exercise that I ta taught you, like tap that down. And so as we're walking, he's doing the, the um, uh, like four point, I call it hypnotic tapping. He's doing the four point hypnotic tapping. And I said, okay, you got it? He goes, yeah, good. Just take this water bottle, pass this water bottle back and forth. So we're doing bilateral stimulation. And we got that anxiety down from like a nine down to a one in a matter of about 60 seconds. And I said, okay, we're going to walk in now. Are you ready to walk in? He goes, yeah. So he starts ordering a coffee. And of course, the person who I text knows not to let, they can't let this happen. They cannot give him that coffee. So somebody at the counter starts harassing him. Well, why do you want that? I, you know, I don't like you. I don't think I want to sell it. I have the right to refuse service to anyone. <laughs> so, so we're putting this poor sap <laughs> through an experience. And he just looks at me and he laughs. And he said, this would happen with you here. <laughs> and that laughter broke the pattern. And I said, great. I said, now this, this feeling of laughter as you're laughing, now tell this person what you really want. He looked at her and he said, I want my effing cup of coffee. And if you're not going to give it to me, get somebody else who will. And he took control of the situation. Um, so uh, there, there are some situations you were talking about flying. There's a gentleman I saw recently for a fear of flying and he was a pilot. 
So it was actually quite easy to gain access to an airplane. <laughs> and you know I took full advantage of that. Um, and, and it's showing these people that they have these, these moments where they can gain control. Some people opt not to, so I have to push them a little bit harder. But you're coming to my office and you're paying me a great sum of money. I'm not one of the guys that charges $75 a session or um, or uh, 120 pounds if you're listening to this in, in the UK, which I have no idea what that boils down to in American US currency. But I'm, I'm charging you a lot of money for this change. So I want to make sure that you get what you came for. And sometimes you're not going to know unless I challenge you. So I am setting some things up to sometimes challenge people to make sure that they are overcoming their stuff. So I, I, you mentioned a few times this idea of giving them a suggestion and you've used the word hypnosis a couple of times. Um, for you, is, is suggestion and hypnosis the same thing? Yes. My definition of hypnosis is so much more liberal now than what it was, I would say, about six or seven years ago. I think we are experiencing these mini trances all the time. And a, a good conversational hypnotist or a rapid change worker should be able to implant a suggestion into a person's mind very quickly. And um, for the listeners, Howard and I were having a banter back and forth uh, beforehand, and we were just having fun. Um, uh, about reading between the, I have very offensive mugs that I drink out of when I'm working for, from home. Uh, and, and as, as Howard and I are talking, drinking out of the mug and he's saying, is that a, is that a suggestion for me? <laughs> for me? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's just a mug. Um, <laughs> but we sometimes forget that people can read between the lines. And there was a client that I had, she came in for a life crippling phobia of bugs and creepy crawlies. And I asked her, I said, what would you, how would you like to feel instead? Or when's a time when you're, when you're really feeling good. And she said, I'm really feeling good when I'm petting my dog at home. So I just had this concept. I'm like, okay, in my mind, like what if we instantly turned a bug into a dog? So I, I doing air quotes here. I mistakenly said, so you walk outside and you see this barking bug. I mean, and then I stopped and she laughed. I said, can you imagine walking out onto a trail? And you see this big freaking barking bug like this, just this, this big barking furry bug. And she starts laughing. That one quote unquote mistake was a suggestion that interrupted that negative pattern. And this was like, Howard, this was a time where it was like you snap your fingers and it, it was almost like a magic wand. She left my office. She comes back for session number two and her mother came in with her and her mother said, I don't know what you did to my daughter, but she like we went on a camping trip and we went rafting and she would have never done that willingly. And she even went through a spider web and she just like picked it off her just like she was picking a leaf off of her head. It didn't bother her. I said, barking bug. <laughs> the mother looks at me like I have 18 heads, but <laughs> barking bug. But what I love, what I love about that is I, uh, he's showing me the mug again, everyone. He's showing me the <laughs> mug. Um, what I love about that story is it, it's so, 
it's so on it in terms of everything I believe that I, I think rapid change happens. Uh, and in many ways, I would even argue that when change happens, it's almost always rapid. It's simply that sometimes we're just trying to navigate to find the piece to change. Um, right. It sounds like that time, you know, you were kind of on it and you the barking bug just happened to be that like like a switch just bing. She can't see it now any other way. Right. You know, but I th- I would argue that, you know, whenever change happens, it's because something we've done something and now they can't see it in the same way. It's been processed differently. You're right. And I think something can be said for getting your clients to buy into that rapid change. So a big part of it is also in the explanation. And I find that many, many uh, therapists are lacking on their explanation of what and how this is happening. And so I'm just going to cut in there because one of the things that, that comes to my mind, and it may be where you're going with this already, which is sometimes I have people and they ring me up and they say, Howard, I've had this problem for 45 years. How can you possibly help me so quickly? And it almost feels like there's a piece to be able to explain, to navigate and help them understand. Otherwise, they might undo anything you do. Because if they, right. you know, they feel the change or they see and then they start with the self-talk and, well, it probably won't last. I've had it for 45 years. Is that really one of the reasons why you're talking about selling them or giving them this expectation or explain explanation around rapid change? Absolutely. Because I'm talking to them about the brain chemistry of how this works and why it works. And there is a point with many people where their eyes just glaze over and you can tell, okay, they really no longer care. They just want to get on with it. And it's at that point, now we've achieved like a hypnotic state by me just boring them into this explanation of the, the, when you're anxious, the left-hand side of your brain lights up. When you have this dopamine effect, the right-hand side of your brain lights up. So let's teach your brain to respond differently to this thing. And, and I have like 12 explanations or 12 ways that I explain to people as Howard's nodding off, (laughs) um, how this, how this change works. And they're like the barking bug. There's no script for that. There, the, it's just an understanding of how to interrupt patterns. The, uh, the, uh, coffee shop exercise. Again, there, there's no script for that. Um, the, the client I had, I'm, I'm known for working with like out of the box clients, a client I had where he had a legitimate fear of his penis falling off. There's no script for that. You can't type in online. I mean, maybe you can now, but, <laughs> but you can't really type in online and, and find a script of uh, script to cure man who has a fear of his penis falling off. And I, by the way, Howard, I thought that was impossible. But then one of my friends called me the next day as if this was like clockwork and said, Dan, did you hear about such and such our, our um, mutual friend? I said, no, why? He has to go and get penis surgery. I said, why? They said, because he has a condition where his penis started to fall off. I said, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. So something that I didn't even think was, could actually happen. <laughs> Not only that, but I might have to come and see you therapeutically because I, you might've installed a fear. I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> This is the thing. Like, who are we to judge, right? We have these clients come in and we're like, really, that bothers you? (laughs) But but we're not here to judge. We're here to help people through the things that do bother them. And and if you took him into hypnosis, were you careful with your language? I mean, did you say to him, you know, as as you drop off deeply? (laughs) 
<laughs> she would just feel herself falling. Right? <laughs> you know, it is about language. And I'll, I'll give you a perfect example of this as well. Um, and this is where I do a lot of work with psychiatrists and psychologists, where a lot of them are referring me. They're, they're patients who are not responding to tradi- traditional means of therapeutic intervention. And the psychiatrist would consider them to be tough nuts to crack. So I had a psychiatrist that sent this one person to me and um, I'm talking to them. And the person said, Dan, be- before we continue, um, you know, are you going to address what's going on in your waiting room? And so what's what's happening in my waiting room? And he's he said the you don't hear that. I said, hear what? He said the the pigs and the cows are being slaughtered right now in your waiting room and the fairies are trying to get to them and, and they, they can't access them. They, the, the squeals from the pigs and the, and the cows from being slaughtered, they're, they're scaring the fairies away. The fairies can't save them. Now I'm thinking I may have gotten bitten off a little bit more than I could chew here, but this person was referred to me by a psychiatrist. So I said to the person, I played into their reality. I said, okay, you know what? I'll have my assistant take care of that in a few minutes, but let's just redirect the focus back on, onto you. And she goes, okay, thank you. It's just as long as you're going to take care of it. I said, I will. I'll I'll have someone take care of it. I then said to him, you know, what do you want to do? And he said, I want to come back to life reincarnated as a fairy. And I said, well, speaking from someone from the perspective who is a fairy, it's not all cracked up as it's meant to be. (laughs) I mean, take that whatever you want to. And so this person, that's basically all that happened in the session. And this person went back to the psychiatrist and the psychiatrist actually met me for a cup of coffee and said, what did you say to him? And I told her the interaction that that went on between us. And the psychiatrist said, that's that's how, how did you know to say that? Like, that's phenomenal. I said, you just have to play into their reality. I said, I meant it from a different meaning than what he took it as. But but that's the thing, Howard, it's it's playing into your client's reality and we're not here to judge. We're here to help people through their own personal stuff or professional stuff that holds them back. So if a person um, is having this issue, I'm going to, and they're sent to be sent to me by a legitimate psychiatrist, I'm going to help. If I have permission, I'm going to help them out with this as much as I can. So I I don't think we should judge that much as, as therapists, but there are the times where like, Dude, I didn't even know that was an issue. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> well, so how, how do psychiatrists tend to respond to these stories and these tales? Because, I mean, it sounds like this this psychiatrist in this story was, uh, you know, like, wow, that, that that's cool. You know, you knew just what to say. Are there people you've come up with who kind of say, well, if you, if you can't do that, you yes. mustn't do that. You know, that, that's outrageous. You, you, you know, their reality is not correct. We shouldn't be joining it. Absolutely. And um, first and foremost, I'm not a doctor. And I, I completely disclose that amongst all of my clients and everybody who refers people to me. I'm First and foremost, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to treat you. I'm not going to prescribe you anything. I'm not going to give you any medical advice. Um, with that said, when a person says, when a professional says, well, you can't say that, you can't do that. I said, well, have you said something like that or done it? No. And how has that worked for you? How has that worked for your client? So that's why you sent them to me, because I use out-of-the-box approaches to work with clients. I really do. In fact, screw the box. Erase the whole freaking box altogether. Uh, we don't work in the box. Mo- most of us don't. And that's where I really challenge a lot of hypnotic approaches 
erase the damn box and see what results you get. If you get this intuition or this idea of, oh, let me let me see if this if this will be good, as long as it's for the benefit of the client and it's not harming anyone, and as long as it's in realm of what you know how to do, do it. Mm. I, I would I, I've had a number of experiences like that with my own work and I, I sometimes think that some of the really beautiful moments of change are some of the most unteachable things that I've done yeah yeah which is frustrating isn't it it's really frustrating and also sometimes just you, you, I can't repeat them like it's not like you know oh well every time this person comes with that issue I'll do the you know the the fairy line like it mm-hmm. just works with that one moment at that one you know like every right. every dog phobic, every insect phobic, I guess you can't say, I'll use the barking bugs again. Exactly, exactly. Because what will help for another person will cause another one to go running, screaming out of your office. Oh, my God, this guy is making me think of, <laughs> of a big evil barking bug, right? But if we, if we deconstruct that, you're basically changing the submodalities of the symbol of the fear. You're you're playing into their reality and changing those submodalities. And that's that's all that was doing. It just was doing it in a slightly different way instead of saying, well, if it was a color, what color would it be? If it was a size, shape, texture, consistency, what would it be? We just went directly in there, bypassed the critical factor of the conscious mind and said, let's do this and let's get this done now. And is it possible to do that with everybody? I don't think so. Um, I, I don't think everybody will respond to the same techniques the same way. That's where it brings back to the misconception that there's a one size fits all approach. There's not. And that's why we really need to be aware of what's going on in our client's realm and reality. We just ask some questions and the simple question, uh, you'll recognize this, the meta pattern. Uh, when was the last time specifically you had this feeling? Uh, so we associate into it. Um, how do you want to feel instead? So you're you're separating out of it. When was the last time you felt this way? So you're going into the resource state. Then you attach the resource state to the uh, to the problem state to collapse it. And that's basically what that technique did. It just it streamlined it and went through it much quicker. And and this plays into also a lot of the change that I do with myself. If I'm feeling a certain way about something, I'll say, okay, how do I want to feel instead? Or how can I feel instead? And it puts us in a much more resourceful state. And that's what I'm teaching clients how to do. And that's what many of us are doing. We're teaching our clients how to tap into their own resourcefulness to create these these magical moments, if you will. I hope this is making sense. I, I, I hope I'm living up to your expectations, Howard. <laughs> well, you know, I'll be honest. My expectations are incredibly high. <laughs> Let, let's leave it there, shall we? Um <laughs> Dan, tell me, I asked you in the rapid fire round, what is the most successful change work related result you've experienced on yourself? And you, you mentioned something quite personal uh, about overcoming sort of PTSD and some anxiety related issues. Yeah. So full disclosure, um, I, up until about a year ago, had a lot of difficulty talking about this and I didn't know the effect that it had on me until it started having a really verse effect. And, and now I can talk about it freely. I, I don't mind. And actually, people have asked me at conferences and because a big part of what I do, I do a lot of um, motivational speaking. 
and not just to hypnotists and change workers, but also uh, to business owners, sales professionals, entrepreneurs. And a lot of them would ask me, what's some of your own personal shit that you overcame? And that's just like, that's a, a question that I would get. And finally, I'm like, I, I have to actually uh, come out about this and, and make this public of how this one thing really interfered in my life. Um, so I was doing a stage show uh, a few years ago. And something happened in one of the stage shows where um, uh, where a group of, of people in the show um, found out about my sexuality, which I, I, I don't publicize, but I also don't hide it. And they went with a personal agenda and they started screaming obscenities at me when I walked out on stage to do the show. And and it just it it kind of crashed and burned. And I'm like, you know what? It's totally fine. They're they're idiots. They're morons. They're they just they don't get it. Um, so I, I I left and I got in my car. I cried for about um, about like a good solid hour. And I had another show to do the very next night. I went on stage and I instantly froze up. And this has never happened to me before. I've been doing this for more than half my life. I've never froze up before. And I froze up. And I said, Oh shoot. And then I got this feeling that I wanted to vomit. And for me, when I have a panic attack, it's immediately I want to throw up. And I, I do have a history of panic attacks. I actually had to um, uh, have my car professionally cleaned several times for throwing up in my car and stuff. And so um, so there was some other past history with that. And it was kind of embarrassing. Like the hypnotist who works with people for anxiety, having anxiety, it's, it's embarrassing. So I started working through myself, like I'd work with a client. I even went to a therapist. The therapist told me, well, how would you work with one of your clients who have the same problem? And I didn't realize this, and I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. That therapist actually sent me a client that um, she referred to me who had the same type of anxiety that I had. And I helped them through their anxiety and the therapist would get from them how I helped that person out and she would use some of the same techniques on me. So that was for like the primary anxiety view. For the PTSD that I had on stage, um, it really held me back. I had to, Howard, I had to cancel events for like about two months until I figured this crap out. And and when I would talk about it, I it would just be this visceral reaction where I would start shaking, I would, I would cry. And this is something I had no idea that this even bothered me in the moment. No idea. And this was starting to interrupt my career. So two things, two transformational approaches happened. Um, I went to a, a business event where I was, I was speaking to a group of sales professionals and there were 200 people, uh, 200 sales professionals there. And I was giving a talk about, um, uh, about sales persuasion was one. And then another one I was giving later that day was all about like mindset for business success. And, and here I am about to go on stage. And again, I get this crippling anxiety. And this was like one of the first events that I had that I said, I have to do this. I'm getting paid a great sum of money to I have to do this. I can't cancel it. And one of my hypnosis students and NLP students was there. And I said, listen, he pulled me aside. He, he saw something was like, agitating me and this person he'd also become a very good friend so it's not like I'm confiding in one of my students he became a really good friend 
And this was the first transitional moment that I had to start to break away from the PTSD. He used a confusion technique because he's also an NLP master. And I'm pretty sure this is something similar to what he said. He said, what do you have to know about the anxiety in order to not have it? What do you have to not know about it to not have it? What do you have to know about it to not know about it to not have it? And he used that technique and it instantly took the pattern and it went and it just like made the whole thing just scramble up and just deprogram and it couldn't hold itself together. I'm like, what the f- was that? <laughs> and then I went on stage. I gave this great presentation um, and I, I, you know, I got paid my $15,000 and, and, and then I, I left. <laughs> I was like, that felt nice. And then um, a, a little bit of it started to come back because that wasn't a technique that I could do on myself. So I actually saw another good mentor of mine who's a hypnotist and we just use the collapsing anchors. And I haven't had a visceral response since we did that collapsing anchors. So that I, I know that's getting a little personal, but I feel it's important for people to know that the person you're working with had to overcome something in their lives to help you overcome what you're going through in your life. So I, I really appreciate you saying that and telling us and sharing uh, with everyone. Uh, thank you. That I, I, I really do. And I, I think there is almost, and I, I, I battled with something for a long time, which is this idea that, wow, if I'm a change worker, does that mean I have to be Superman? Does that mean right. like I'm not allowed to have any problems? And I, I even had a lady who uh, I, I lost four and a half stone in the last um, three, four years. Um, and she rang me and she said, listen, I, I want some help with weight loss. And I, I told her, well, actually, you know, maybe like I kind of, you know, maybe can help. I, I myself have lost three and a half, four stone in the last three, four years. And she said, oh, well, but you're a hypnotist. <laughs> And then she didn't want to work with me. And I was like, well, like, is this not a good thing that like, right. we've been there and we've come through it? Um, you know, and I think, you know, we've we've all got stuff. But what, what's amazing is that, you know, you didn't just go, oh, well, that's it now. That's it. Right. <laughs> oh, well, never mind. Hang up half life's work dedication, right? <laughs> Absolutely. The, the thing is, there's there's hypnotists out there who smoke, who help people quit smoking. There's hypnotists out there who are, um, who are overweight, who are helping people reduce their weight. And it all goes back to your belief that you can, you can do it. And that was one of the other points in the rapid fire round was it is, you have to have confidence in your abilities that when a person comes in, you can help them through their stuff. And it goes back to that old adage. It's not what's in your bags. It's how you carry them and how long you carry what's in your bags for be, before you finally let it go. And that was something that I, I really had to let go of in order for me to continue on being that anxiety expert. And I really do believe that self-hypnosis is a great thing. I do believe that self-hypnosis will only take us so far before we need another intervention with somebody else. Because especially like a confusion technique, it's it's kind of difficult to confuse. I mean, I do it all the time. I confuse myself all the time. <laughs> but it can be difficult to do a confusion technique that's going to interrupt a negative pattern because your conscious mind is still going to be aware. 
And that's that's where I think even even professional hypnotists who know how to mind f somebody in and out still at some point need the the help of a of another professional. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's in many ways not rocket science, is it? That we've got like a, a problem or a pattern exists in, in our reality, our model of the world, our map, and in order to be let out of that map, we need someone who's not in the map. Right. It's right. like trying trying to get out of your own your own maze. You know? Right. But you're in it. You you can't see the way out. You know. You're in it. Yeah. And, and you know what? Pe- people ask me all the time, Howard, especially other hypnotists and other therapists. Um, I actually just yesterday had a probation officer reach out to me, and he said, "Hey, can I take your class? Because I want to learn how to do these techniques with with my um, clients." And I said, "Yeah." And I actually used to work on murder investigations. I've worked with people have killed other people before I've worked with rapists I, I, and um, not in the sense that you'd say to, to try and how can I say this? Not in the sense of, of really what they did. I'm not working with them because they murdered somebody. I'm working with them because now they're transitioning out of, out of their, their um, uh, penance that they paid, I guess you could say. Uh, on on other issues, but there are there are these out of the box techniques. Um, now it's it's not ready yet, but I'm I'm putting together a book called Instant Transformations, and I'm I'm not using this as a platform or format to sell the book. Just letting people know because there are these moments that we can take advantage of where we can help our clients achieve instant transformations. And like I said, I don't even really use the word hypnosis that much anymore, I consider myself a behavioral communications consultant because it starts with behaviors. And this was a term coined by one of my mentors, Lisa Halpin. And Lisa actually teaches people how to break out of the realm of traditional hypnosis and um, and call yourself something different. She, she does have a program for people to become behavioral communications consultants. So I can't say that that's something that I do. But for lack of better terms, we're working with people on how to change their behaviors, how to understand them, and also how to influence other people's behaviors through utilizing influence and persuasion as well. And these these waking covert or conversational or Ericksonian hypnotic technique, whatever you want to call it, you know. But I think it's all the same. It's all in one. Uh, so 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 all comes together. It it really does, and that's where we have to. And I really appreciate this fact that I did go through this PTSD moment. I I did go through, and I'm actually thankful for those people who were there that night that were shouting and screaming obscenities at me. Thank you. And now screw screw yourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Dan, on a a totally different note, totally different track, uh, are there any people are listening and uh, they're thinking, you know, this guy sounds very well read. Are there, are there some some go to books that you could recommend? Two or three for our listeners. Uh, absolutely. Um, so books that I would recommend first and foremost, any by Melissa Tears and company. <laughs> um, Melissa Tears, Sean Carson, Sarah Carson, um, Jess, I think Marion is how you say her name. Um, the Meta Pattern. Oh, Go out, learn, learn that shit in and out, learn that like that will, that will give you a whole new out, outlook. 
Um, and by the way, list- if people want to know more about the meta pattern, do that to follow Dan's advice, but also click underneath because there is a link to the episode where I interviewed Melissa and she outlines the meta pattern as well. Yes, absolutely. And uh, also Melissa's book, Integrative Hypnosis. Uh, and, and that's one, Howard, I have to say, Melissa transcribed her training. And in my mind, I first instinct thought, well, that was stupid. Why, why is anyone going to want to take her training now? But you see, Melissa's trainings are like sold out everywhere. And it's her book was a foundation. And I read that book and I said, I want to take her class. Um, so integrative hypnosis is is another one that I would highly recommend. And then take Melissa's class, Coaching the Unconscious Mind. Um, I would recommend that. I'd recommend the one also... Um, uh, oh my gosh, it, it's escaping me now, but it's about um, uh, creating, oh my gosh, he was on Jason Lynette's podcast. I think he was on your podcast as well. Um, and it was uh, like unconventional change work, but that's not the name of the book. Oh my, uh, controversial, controversial change or hypnotherapy. Um, controversial. Provo- provocative? Sig- provocative hypnosis. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Took a long time to get yep. there, but we got it as a team. <laughs> there we go. Provocative hypnosis. Yeah. By Jürgen um, Rasmussen. You, yes. Yes. And uh, yes. Provo- yes. And these are things that I, whenever I'm looking for a training or new technique, I look for people who challenge my beliefs. And Jürgen is one of those people who really, really challenged my beliefs, as, as uh, we were talking about before we started recording. Melissa is one of the ones who really challenged my belief. Uh, Lisa Halpin is one who really uh, every week challenges my beliefs in a very good way. They they stretch me to stretch my mind. And whenever I want to take a training, that's exactly right there is what I want. I want someone who's going to challenge my beliefs and who's going to attempt to change my outlook. Um, because it's it's these these courses these books that that really have and and I can tell you there's not one course that dictates the work the way that I work now but it is a combination of all of these things together that influenced the way that I work with people now versus the way I worked with them five years ago and these approaches changed my life they changed my practice they changed the way I teach people because now I teach people not not what Melissa and um, and Jurgen teach people, but I teach my version of instant transformations, and it just it works. It works, and I think the best way to 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 learn it is to experience it firsthand. So that's why when you read the book, take the course that goes with the book if, if there is one. Cool. I hope that was helpful. <laughs> absolutely absolutely and we're going to put all the recommendations underneath the episode too um dan when people are listening and they're thinking i've got to get in touch with this guy and find out more or do some stuff with him uh where can they go how can they get in touch i am not online at all anywhere no <laughs> if you type my name in uh dan candell i uh, like soda candell computer right dan candell c-a-n-d-e-l-l you can go to dancandell.com you can also go to candelltraining.com and uh, find me on Facebook as well. Uh, Dan Kendall Hypnotist is my fan page. 
I did a TED Talk, so you can go on, you can do that. I also have a podcast for entrepreneurs and small business owners, which is called the Square Peg Round Hole Podcast. Just type in my name um, into any any of your favorite platforms. Um, please, please reach out to me. Let me know that you listen to this podcast. I'm an open book, um, and people contact me every single day. I and I, I want to know that you listen to this, so please feel free to reach out to me. Uh, let me know what you enjoyed about it. Let me know uh, also if there was something you didn't enjoy about it. That's totally fine. You're entitled, entitled to your opinion, and it is wrong. <laughs> Sorry. Dan, Dan, I've, I've got a, my final question, and I often finish with this, and no pressure, but this is often where people come up with the most beautiful stuff. Oh, good grief. <laughs> <sighs> And it's simply this. It's a really open question, which is, listen, when we talked about you coming on the Rapid Change Matters podcast, is there anything that you wanted to share with people, but that just like I haven't asked directly? You know, that's a really good question. And that's usually what people say when it's an awful question. But I really do mean it is a good question. <laughs> and I'm trying to think. I I think we covered everything that my main mission for being on this podcast was I, so I, I listened to your podcast before we were connected and a very good mutual friend, uh, uh, who is now an enemy of our, of both of us because we were planning to overthrow him, Jason Lynette, no. <laughs> um, Jason connected us both. And before he even connected us, um, I, heard you were on his podcast and I listened to that episode. Then I went and I found out you had a podcast and I love Howard. I love rapid change. I love rapid change. So I am like a junkie for anything that has anything to do with changing quickly and techniques that are unconventional, I want to say. And your podcast feeds that addiction for me. So, so thank you for keeping me addicted. And I go through withdrawal symptoms. Uh, so <laughs> I, I get the shakes if I can't learn more about rapid change. No. Um, I, but I, I just want to say to you, I really greatly appreciate introducing this concept to people and for being the one to come up with the rapid change podcast, because I hate you for coming up with it first <laughs> but i love you for coming up with it as well <laughs> ladies and gentlemen you should see the mug he's showing me now <laughs> and i was stay tuned for my podcast instant transformation instant change. no what, what's faster I'm, than rap i'm just going to go the other way if you do that i'll i'll i'll, I'll create the slow and laborious change podcast <laughs> Hey, we were shooting for boring podcast and, and, you know, I, I, I wonder, I wonder if your listening audience will think how interesting this was. <laughs> Indeed. Who knows? Let us, let us know. Let us know in the comments underneath. Um, Dan, thank you so much. It's been a, a, a lot of fun aiding the podcast with you and also getting to know you a little bit as well as we've been uh, building up to this. Uh, there's been uh, a fair amount of banter and humor along the way. Uh, so yeah, listen, good times. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, why not share it with anyone you think might be interested and even head over to iTunes to give us a glowing review. You'll find more about what's coming up on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash rapid change matters hyphen podcast. And of course, you'll find all the links related to this episode, plus 
those upcoming live events that will help you hone those change work skills.